the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing more. I keep a little notebook. And what do I put in my notebook? Of course, nothing but notes, right? Anytime I have thoughts about money, which is pretty often, for instance, don't listen, kids, if you're in the car. I'm thinking about getting my kid an Apple Watch, but I'm actually thinking about, for how, uh, for uh, Christmas, giving him mine, getting a new one for me and putting the old one in a box, because I don't know if he's going to lose it. So I'm setting him up for a long career of Apple products. He got an iPod first, then he got an iPad, no phone yet. We're testing the idea of, do you give him a phone on his wrist with a wristwatch? Because he's starting to get to that age where he knows how to do it. And it's cool. And the text messaging on a watch is so limited that he won't be up all night texting, right? So I'm setting my kid up to be part of the ecology of Apple. I was pretty happy a couple weeks ago when Roku announced finally that they're going to put the Apple TV on Roku services. Because 10 years ago, I made a decision... I was too fragmented. I, I was Google movies. I was Google music. I was Apple, Spotify. I was, I was all over the place. I was a mess. And then Apple said, we want a customer for life. And I got it. Even before that concept rang true, they started moving that direction, backing up your data, putting your data in the cloud, getting you on a two-year deal. Try, Apple's moving to a complete subscription model. Whether it be TV, music, it's all going to be one, and even the phone. Do you want to get a for $1,000 a year, you get everything, including a new phone? Or maybe $600 a year, you get everything, and maybe a cheaper phone? Or maybe it's $400. I don't know what the price point is. But the ecology of it's great, because during Thanksgiving and Christmas, on the Roku, I've, I've saved the movies that I think are generational films. Um, Star Wars, for instance. At any point in time, you could probably put on a Star Wars movie, and it's not going to offend people. And I was tired. I was tired of the trick that, that, that TV companies and movie companies do. And Disney was the worst at it. Of new on VHS, Cinderella. Or we could just keep talking about Star Wars. We could, Star Wars on VHS. And then it was Star Wars on Laserdisc. See it like you've never seen it before. Hear it like you've never heard it before. Star Wars on Blu-ray with more commentary. Every one of them was like 80 bucks. So when iTunes came around and you could buy the movie once and own it for life, and they Apple even did things like, you know, if they ever come out with a 4K version, we're going to give it to you for free. We're not going to be the company that nickels and dimes you every year like Disney does. Interesting, right? Um, so Disney did this thing where Cinderella, I think, was made in 1940. And they would do this thing where like, Cinderella is coming out of retirement. Your six-year-old daughter couldn't see this princess for only a limited time. And sure enough, they'd bring that princess out of the dungeon and like parade around on VHS. And then 
once we put her back in the vault, you'll never see her again. Like, Disney, that's not cool. You're not supposed to uh, trap princesses. But then when Laserdisc comes out, Disney would be like, ooh, Cinderella for the first time ever on Laserdisc. See her like you've never seen her. And they did it again and again and again and again. And then the worst part, CDs and DVDs and Blu-rays would scratch, right? Ah! So anyway. No! The old customer for life. So I write a lot of notes down. One of them I just saw recently come through, and I used to do like things in a different way. Uh, I would actually clip articles and research reports. I'd actually stack them. And I'd, I'd, at the end of the year, I'd put them in a box called 1998, 1996. Anytime I did a, a best of show, I could go, let's go back to 1998. I'd say, hey, Mike, producer, let's play 1998 music. And I'd talk about 1998 stocks and things like that. It was a concept of mine. For better or for worse, right? Um, now Apple, not only are they a stock for life, and I own shares of Apple, but it's the end of the year. It's the end of the year as we know it. And it's been a good year. So people are saying growth has been so very, very good. And because we think things have to end at the calendar year and they can't possibly bleed three months before, three months after the calendar year or three months before the new calendar, like we can't possibly process that. So... There's some analysts going around right now who's talking about stocks that could be really good in 2020. And one of the picks being touted or highlighted are value stocks, because values underperform growth as a sector. Now, again, there's something, a pie chart of investing. You're supposed to have all nine tic-tac-toes. You know, a tic-tac-toe board, put that in your head. On what the axis going up, you have small, medium, and large. So on the bottom row, it's small. and middle row, it's medium. On the top row, it's large. And then left to right on the tic-tac-toe board, you have growth, growth and income, and then income or value. So when you factor all that in, you mix it in, you stir it up, you kind of see that you're supposed to own a one of each of those. So you could say 10% small cap growth, 10% small cap blend, 10% small cap value. Blend is another phrase for growth and income. Uh, value is another phrase for income, usually. Not always, not always, not always. But a lot of people are pushing the concept of value this year. Because if there is a correction, they want to be down less than the market. And if there is a correction, maybe we'll shift our dollars from growth to value. So in this list, some of them I, I wouldn't touch. Hewlett-Packard Enterprises? No. Do I see it as value? Yes. But I don't play with old tech. IBM and HP are dead to me. It's just me. It doesn't mean I'm right. It doesn't mean you're wrong. It doesn't mean anything like that. I only have so much room in my head. But on this list of value stocks, Tyson Foods, which, okay, I like food companies, and Tyson Food uh, makes meats and proteins. Yeah, there is a shift towards plant-based proteins, and that could be a negative, but Tyson could get into plant-based proteins, too. Or there could be a shift back to, you know, right now there's a big shift towards weightlifting away from cardio as a way of having leaner body mass or something like that. Down the road, cardio will come back. Give it time. British American Tobacco is on this list of value stocks. BHP, Hewlett Packard Enterprises, Apple. Now, the one that interests me the most on this list so far is United Healthcare, big healthcare company, HMO, PPO, service provider, right? I don't think they're going to go away. I don't know what Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders are going to do if they get elected to health care. 
But something tells me it's not a nuclear drop-dead scenario where everyone dies. To the point that Elizabeth Warren has even said, if you elect me president, I'm not going to do anything radical for the first three years. I don't know if she said it exactly like that, but she's trying to confirm to people, like, we know United Healthcare and Cigna and Centene um, and Anthem. Healthcare stocks have all gone down because of the fear of some radical new laws. So you, it's created some value if radical laws don't happen. What side of the risk are you taking here? I, you have to take something, right? Do you want the growth that's overexposed, it's overextended, or do you want the value that's been hit for a reason? It is a damnation game, right? Little rim, little REM. First time I go into a record store and I say, hey, do you got the new rim album? They're like, you're an idiot. I said, how about the new Inxus album? I didn't know it was INXS. INXS. I didn't know that. Boy, I went over too hard on that one. I bet. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. We're making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. So that's a little high. I didn't hear my voice come back in. Whoops. Um, usually it says, now you're listening to Rob Black and everybody, and I didn't hear the rejoinder. So I'm losing my mind, but a little Haim sisters, Haim sisters, it's kind of interesting. Um, I noticed something stupid about me because I write down notes. My two favorite bands in the last two years are my two favorite concerts. And now you're saying, please make this fast and get back to the stocks. We're AJR and they're, they're brothers out of Brooklyn. Pretty cool music, pop music. Um, but also Haim and their three sisters. So I like a band of three brothers and three sisters. So I got to be careful that I don't like Mbop and other catchy music, right? The Jonas Brothers. Which is your favorite Jonas? I, I couldn't name one. I couldn't pick one out of a lot. I couldn't name one Jonas Brothers song. Wow. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about money, investing, and more. Um, end of the year, a lot of rebalancing is going to go on. Um, a lot of big predictions about next year. A lot of people talking about the Santa Claus rally where people are generally in a good mood and the people who are like the money, uh, a lot of people go on vacation. And if you have during the holidays, right, that's all I'm going to say. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing and more. The slowing economy is not a big secret right now, so you know about it. Is that fair for me to say? And can I say right? The tax cuts that were promised in the 2018 election, was it 2018, 2016, I guess, whoops, they've come and gone. Now, they're still there, but the comparisons on a year-over-year went from difficult or tough to easy. Now they're back to what is what are you going to get to get that kind of jump again? So we know there's a slowdown, and that's okay. I'm pretty good with that. I hope you are too. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Wall Street strategists, speaking of Rob, Wall Street strategists are expecting as a group that the S&P 500 is going to gain 5% next year. Here's the beauty of that. 
they're almost always wrong. For a stock market that averages like 10% returns, it's never had a 10% return. It's had returns above it. It's had returns below it. So a 4.8% return is is pretty small. So let's call that one half of 1% a month. It's not going to happen that way. So could the end number be around that? Sure. But we don't tend to work like that, in my opinion. We tend to be a little bit more uh, big eaters. So what's going to happen next year? I don't know. I can tell you that we have a high-valued market that feels a little bit extended. It's been a while since we've blown off steam or slowed down. In fact, November picked up steam, which is typically a sign of a blowout top. What happens next year? I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. Rob Black and your crystal ball, my kid. I don't want to hit a child. But when my child said the other day, you should do a show called Rob Black and your diabetes. <laughs> he was talking trash to me. I thought that was funny. Um, and he's my kid, so I love him. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. And I don't have diabetes yet, but my mom does. So one of the best things I could do is to work on that, keep my weight down, keep my teeth clean. It's a, it's a weird piece of financial advice. Chad Burton, CFP Chad Burton's all about the healthcare advice right now. And, and just look around. My mom's 80 plus and she stays in her room and sleeps all day. Watches one channel and she doesn't know how to change the channel. That's sad. Chad's mom, not quite as old as my mom, but she goes to the gym every day. There's something to be said for that. When we're talking about a show about retirement, 800-516-1220. If I were to make a guess, I think Boeing could have a very nice year next year. But I don't know when it's going to start. Again, no crystal ball. Rob Black and your crystal ball. Rob Black and your fortune teller. Whoa. Let's let's ask the fortune teller. When's when's Boeing going to get clearance? When, when are they going to be able to fly again? That 737 MAX? Or when, when's that going up again? How about their new plane? How about their Dreamliner? Remember their Dreamliner had some problems? It'll move higher again. I don't know when. It'll take out all-time highs again. I don't know when. I can tell you in the, the world of rock, scissors, paper, there's two airlines that, that matter, or two air makers, airplane makers, Boeing and, and Airbus, and that's it. That doesn't mean China won't come up with something. Could happen. But so far, China wants our planes. Elvis wants our boats. China wants our planes. You with me against me, because you got to choose a side. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, 800-516-1220. Peloton is a pretty interesting stock right now. They're so new. So it sells a high-end product that's going to sell really well this year. We all want to get our loved ones gifts that they want. But they came out with a commercial that was a little controversial. But it's almost as if that doesn't matter because they're selling to the high-end, the affluent. We'll talk a little bit about some alternative asset classes. Little AJR. Thank you, Mike. You're the best. I love this band. Their hits are their new album, Neo Theater. End to end, I like it. It's about a baby being born, and then that baby grows up, tries to find love, and then he does find love, and then he sings a song called Dear Winter to his kid that's not yet born because he hasn't quite found his wife yet. These are guys are kids. They're in Russia right now. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Want the podcast with music? 
Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Talking all things financial. Um, I like modern art. I like art. It's an asset class. Let's talk a little bit about this. There's stocks, bonds, and real estate. Those are the assets that you're probably most comfortable talking about. Then there's things like commodities. Some of them are hard, like steel. Some of them are energy, like oil. Some of them are jewelry like gold and silver. There's other asset classes and some of them are alternative. AJR, the band we just heard, has a song on it, their album called Don't Throw Out My Legos, where if your mom threw out your Legos, you're probably pretty angry because Legos are expensive. Or if your mom threw out your Thomas the Train tracks, you'd be like, why did you throw those out? That was $1,000 of stuff. That would probably cost $10,000 today because it's the classic version versus the new plastic versions, right? Oh, no. Don't throw out my Legos. Um, Legos could be an asset class. Kind of, right? Baseball cards? How about what we started talking about art? Now, I like Goyer and Bausch and Fuseli. I like some dark painters. But also, San Francisco Museum of Modern Art's an awesome place to visit, as is the San Jose Museum of Modern Art. If you go on a first date at SF MoMA or SJ MoMA, you're probably going to get a second date. It'll be a good time to talk. It'll be a good time to stroll through the art galleries. Maybe you could go rollerblading through them like uh, Ferris Bueller did. I'm good with that. But let's talk about art because it is an asset class that we don't talk enough about. A big event's happening in the alternative asset class world right now. A friend, not a friend, but an ex-boss of, uh, yeah, boss in television, general manager. He once went down to Basil, which is an art show in Miami. And he was talking to me about it. And then we were talking about an artist named Banksy. If you get a chance to watch a documentary on him, there's a great one on Netflix. He's a street painter. So he'll go tag a side of a building with just beautiful art. And if he tags your side of the building, he just sent the value of your building up a lot. So my ex-boss actually bought. He said, if I, there was like a bakery in uh, San Francisco that he tagged one night, beautiful art and um, spray paint. So my boss is like, if I pay to get that removed brick by brick, he paid the guy like $100,000 because it's worth two or $3 million. Um, it's an asset class, right? Now, if Banksy dies, something that's worth two or $3 million might become worth six, $9 because he's never going to make another one again unless we somehow come up with zombie artists, which it could happen. But 70,000 collectors are, are heading down to Miami Beach right now. 250 participating galleries. It's an asset class that I do study. Um, will I ever own a Picasso? Nope. But the global art market's wildly entertaining, and it's not all about Picassos. The asset class of fine art is to invest in what science fiction is to the rest of literature. There's extreme characteristics of sci-fi and high-end art um, that teaches important lessons. Science fiction speaks to human nature, while art offers a window into the nature of the asset markets. A Warhol in 1986 
1986, collectors could buy a Warhol called Triple Elvis for about $200,000. 1986, if you had $200,000 laying around, you could have got the Triple Elvis. Today, it's worth $81.9 million. Now, Warhol's probably dead, although he's one of those people I'm not quite sure. And that's where you can go do some homework at SF MoMA. Nope. Those are a lot more established than San Jose MoMA. San Jose can't quite get the high-profile pieces that SF MoMA can or New York MoMA. You know when I say MoMA, it's Museum of Modern Art, right? So some artists in San Jose are still alive. Most of the artists in San Francisco are probably dead. That's not a true statement across the board, but you get the idea. The average annual return of the triple Elvis has worked out to about 20.6%, double the stock market, 400 times better than the real estate market. Citigroup has data on returns of art going back to 1985. The average annual return of, uh, for art in the past 30 years is just over 5%. So it falls well short of the S&P 500. But then you see the Warhol and you go, ooh. So who owns art? Believe it or not, there are investors who own art. And there's collectors like Chuck Schwab who have art and he doesn't want to pay the insurance. And I'm not saying, I'm not speaking for Chuck Schwab. But he'll lend it to museums because the museums will pay for the insurance. And he still has that asset. He probably loves it. I'm not speaking for Charles Hall. Take that all back because he's one of those billionaires who could probably order a hit on me if I say the wrong thing. <laughs> I'm not saying the wrong thing. So private equity does a lot of art investing. Hedge funds, a lot. You'll even find art found in bonds and junk bonds. Um, it's hard to sell. And auction houses take a big chunk of your money. So if, if, like, for instance, you want to buy a house and turn it into a rental, I recommend going with a property management company. But a property management company in Hawaii is going to cost you 30% of the fee. So if, the, if they're trying to put someone in there for $10,000 a week, they're going to keep $3,000. And it's tougher for you to make money. And I just use 10000 because it's a big round number, right? Whereas a property management company in Tallahassee, Florida... Probably is going to charge you more like six, seven, eight percent to take the phone calls, to send out the work orders, to send out, you know, to collect the rent checks. For the most part, the returns um, are pretty rational on art. But again, sometimes you get that big home run. People don't buy paintings or sculptures just to earn a return. There's pleasure in owning it. The way it was explained to me about vacation homes once, and it stuck with me. If you want to own a home in Lake Tahoe, one of the most beautiful places on the world, or if you want to own a home in Hawaii, one of the most beautiful places on the world, that it's probably not going to go up in value a lot. But it's a lot like a Picasso. Own it for 30 years. You're not going to see, there's not a lot of jobs up in Tahoe that you want. So there's not a lot of people moving in other than for second homes. So there's a big turnover of second homes. And again, I'm speaking very broadly here, knowing that I'm missing a lot of the working people. But the working people in, say, the peninsula of San Francisco, much, much denser than, say, the outliers of Lake Tahoe, Truckee. But it was explained to me that it's a lovely piece of property. Own it for 30 years and enjoy it. Same thing with art. Own it for 30 years and enjoy it. And at the end of 30 years, you'll probably have a good, decent return. Don't expect it to go up like it does in your neighborhood where you work. Different type of markets. If your prime motivator is to buy low and sell high, you'll probably be disappointed. The best collectors are passionate about what they own. And again, that big markup that Sotheby's 
takes when they're selling it for you. It's pretty huge. So if you like a painting, enjoy it. Quality sells faster. Housing like art is less liquid. It can take months to sell a house. The average house sits on the market for 68 days. But liquidity is going to differ on the difference between, say, New York City and Tallahassee, Florida. House in Tallahassee, Florida could sit there for six months easily. A house in New York could be sold before it even hits the market. In 2008, 2009, the top quality art in whatever sector could be sold pretty easily because the U.S. was going through its own recession of jobs, but it didn't really affect the high-end art market. High-flying stocks trade at big multiples of sales. They can have a tougher time in market downturns. Same thing with art. So my advice, if you ever look, and again, isn't it always a great story when someone's like, oh, I had a Picasso up in my attic for 45 years, and like they didn't know, and it's worth $90 million, and they bought it from a, an estate sale. If you're ever looking to get into art, you better be very, very good at it. I happen to be, best friend in the world is great at art. She's amazing. So I would trust her picking an artist to invest in versus me. I liked a guy named Josh Agle, Shag. And I bought a lot of his paintings, and I have them still. And I got his Disney's 50th. Like, I thought that was going to be a big win for me. Yeah, he's still alive. He still makes it. Now he's just been commissioned to do Disney's 60th anniversary. Oh, what am I doing? You get the idea. A little AGR taking us to break. 100 bad days. Listen to this today and tell me if it ain't darn catchy. I'm Rob Black. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. A little more AJR. I want to thank my producer Mike for this. It's a treat for me to work in an environment where I actually like the music. It's a fun album. They came in and out of San Francisco. Someone totally videotaped the conference the concert and totally put it on youtube i don't know how i feel about that on one level it's certainly not hurting them right or maybe it is do you remember janine graflo the comedian i used to do a show at cbs and we'd have guests producer was paid well so he'd book guests and we'd have like entertainers and two of my most entertaining guests were janine graflo and eddie uh, charlie murphy <laughs> i wish eddie murphy don't but Charlie Murphy came from Comedy Central. I wasn't a Comedy Central watcher at that point in my life, early 30s. And he had played Prince. Oh, no, 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 no. That's, uh, he didn't play Prince. He played someone challenging Prince to a basketball game on The Chappelle Show. And Dave Chappelle played Prince. And I was like, Charlie Murphy. I'm like, so what's it like working with Chappelle? And I'm looking for an answer of two or three sentences. Like, oh, he's a genius. He sits in the studio all day long and he writes comedy. He practices in front of... I was looking for something like that. And you go, it's good. I'm like, okay, next question. <laughs> I write down like 15 questions before I have a guy on for an hour. And I'm plugging his, I'm plugging his comedy show. And he's given me nothing to work with. Come on, um, that. Charlie, you, you have a famous brother who you look incredibly a lot like Eddie Murphy. Uh, what's it like growing up in a house full of so many laughs? It was good. I was like, no, over oh, two. But the one that really threw me was Janine Garofalo. Because I, I liked her stuff in the 80s and early 90s. It worked for me. It was funny. She was in movies. She was a hit. She was a comedian. 
she did that little whole thing about swatches at, at Renaissance fairs. Like it, it kind of loses its effect when the king is wearing a swatch, which again goes back to the idea of what the heck is a swatch, <laughs> which tells you how fad we are as a, as a nation, right? And I, I, I said, Janine, I said, um, okay, so uh, the internet's taking off and YouTube, like I can go back and I, I watched all your old swatch stuff and like it, it, you know, this is 20 years later, you're still in the business, congratulations. And what do you think about YouTube? It sucks. I'm like, okay. Two word answers are going to kill me. Right. And she just saw the money guy because she's a liberal Democrat and she worked for like liberal Democrat America, Radio America. Was that what it was? She saw me as the enemy. So she gave me nothing. But I was interested about how the YouTube has changed concerts and YouTube has changed comedy. Um, only the good survive because if you have one good routine, it's been seen. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. And it's interesting to note even on that with Netflix, Netflix is going all in on the comedy specials, uh, which that used to be the playground of HBO. Now it's it's Netflix. And some of those age pretty well and some of them don't age well, like the Eddie Murphy Raw. Didn't age well because he was wearing a cutting edge clothes where I just saw Seth Meyers comedy special recently. And he's wearing like really generic jeans and a t-shirt because jeans and a t-shirt will still be relevant in 10, 15, 20 years. I don't know. Does that segment make any sense or am I totally off the rails? I could be. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about money, investing and more. Um, We're wrapping up the year. We're moving into 2020, and anytime you wrap up a year and move into another year, you're starting to like make predictions. You're starting to close the book on one and open the book on another. Um, I'd be careful on that. I don't think the business cycle ends December 31st, nor do I think it starts January 1st. And I don't think your portfolio will end on December 31st unless you have some sort of crazy retirement plan. That I'm going to work till the end of the year, and then I'm going to quit. Most people just... June 15th is just as good as December 31st. Oil moving higher. OPEC is preparing for larger than expected cuts. Interesting to note that there's a company called Saudi Aramco that is getting ready to come public, IPO. They own a dominant amount of the world's oil. And it used to be just a state company. And now they're going to go public. So you could now own part of a Saudi company. I don't know how you feel about that. Uh, political reasons aside, crown prince, treating men of people. I don't know. I'm not going there. Um, but it is interesting that OPEC's raising the price of oil just at the same time that a company that is largely dependent on success or failure on the price of oil is getting ready to come public. I'm cynical. I'm sarcastic. Sometimes I get my foot put in my mouth because I see the world that way. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Beyond Meat burgers to be sold at some Costco stores. That's big. Um, Beyond Meat IPO'd in 2019, and it rocked and it rolled. And then it fell apart. Now it's more interesting to me because it's a year old. I don't want one minute old. AJR has got that song called, Welcome to my birthday. I'm one or Thanks for coming to my birthday party. I'm one minute old today. When companies come public, they're giving birth. They're no longer a private company. They're a public company. For one minute, you got to wait a year. And if you waited on Beyond Meat, you missed the run from 25 to 150. But you also didn't hit the 150 down to 60. It's interesting to me because plant-based proteins, it is a thing. And people are seeking it out. 
And I bought some Beyond Meat and I made spaghetti with it. And it was just as good as ground beef. I couldn't tell the difference. But it was 50% more expensive. Back to the cow I go. Methane gas and all. Hello, cow. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Check out AJR on Spotify or Apple Music. It's kind of my favorite band right now. Enjoy yourself on some downtime during the holiday seasons. You don't have to win every day on Wall Street. You just got to play the game and be in for the long term. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Find me on at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Seminars always coming up. You can use the code RADIO25 to get in for free.